Today's scripture is from chapter 12 of Paul's first letter to the Christians in Corinth. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To, to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, of working of miracles. And to another, the prophecy and the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to, by the one Spirit who, who allowed to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into the body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we are all made to drink of the one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. And that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged that the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, there would be, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with great honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas one more respectable member do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, and that may be no dissension within the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ 
and individually members of it. And God has appointed the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. All, all are, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mac. Thank you, Melissa and Jennifer and Sam and Larry and Chris. Let's give them a hand. It's beautiful, beautiful this morning. Um, I got one thing to get real quick. Hang on. Hold on just a second. All right, there we go. Um, yeah, I had a, a great family vacation last week, but I always miss, I always miss something when I'm not here worshiping with my brothers and sisters in Christ right here. This means so much to me. Um, but I did have fun on the beach. There's no doubt about that. We had a, we had a really good time. But we were glad to be back. Um, Dixie forgot to, she wanted me to share, this is what, 75 cents somewhere? 70. 70 cents. You got a great deal. But there he is. There he is. Uh, does it move or something? It's got a battery in it. I think that's why it was 70 cents. It doesn't move. Okay, it doesn't move. That's why it was 70 cents. That's exactly right. But there it is. You know, there's our friend Olaf. And I'm so glad, Dixie, that you brought off Olaf because I think, you know, I think Paul uh, would like Olaf as he talked about the body of Christ. Because sometimes we're a little haggard. Sometimes the carrot goes back in our, you know, back in the back of our head. Sometimes we uh, get a little discombobulated. And sometimes I feel like the body uh, of Christ is a lot like Olaf. We're just awkward and uh, just doing the best we can. Um, I am excited uh, to be preaching this series. I, I, I got a couple things. I listened to Susan's sermon. It was a really good sermon last week. If you missed it, you need to go back. She preached on Tangled. She did a really good job. And uh, it was fun to hear. I was like, now how are we going to do this? Because like, I've never preached on like Disney. I mean, how do you do, how do, you do that? But it got me to thinking that, uh, you know, when Jesus preached and taught, he brought up things that people experienced, right? He talked about sheep and uh, people who lose coins. He talked about ordinary things in life that people experienced over and over to teach them something about the kingdom of God, something about who uh, they were. Uh, now, how many of you have seen the movie Frozen? You seen it? Oh, a lot of you have. Okay, that's good. Um, i be honest with you, it was the, the first time I saw it was this past week. I had never seen it. But it is really, really, it is really good. It was the, at the time, it was 2013 when it came out, the all-time highest grossing animated film. I'm sure something's passed it in the past six years. But it was very, very popular. It passed the $1 billion mark that exceeded uh, Toy Story 3. Uh, when it hit the theaters. It's based loosely on the story of Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen, but not exactly. And it features two sisters, Elsa and Anna. Elsa is the older sister. Anna is, uh, is the younger sister. And uh, 
they eventually must rule this village because their parents passed away, sadly, and they must come out into the world and rule. And Elsa's the older sister, and she was going to be coronated. Elsa's got magical powers, you remember? What was her, what was her magical, magical powers, you remember? That ice, she could make snow and ice. That would be great in Hattiesburg, wouldn't it? Especially in the summer. That would really be, we could use Elsa. Um, she had these uh, magical powers, but um, in a twist, though, she had to conceal this gift. You know, it makes me think a lot about the fact that all of our gifts are burdens as well. I mean, how do we use them? Somebody told you growing up, you're good at this, you're good at that, and then you try it out. Other people say you're not very good at it, or you question yourself, or you use it in the wrong ways. That gift is neither like evil or good. It can be used either way, and she struggles, um, she struggles with it. This is the big stress on the family. Hiding something both from the public and from her younger sister, Anna. Now, why does she have to hide this power from her younger sister, Anna? Y'all remember? The movie begins uh, very early on, and really early on, Anna loved playing with her big sister, Elsa, uh, Elsa. And Elsa would use these powers to create these hills, and, and even the snowman right here, she used it to do that. And so she's having a lot of fun, but you know, it, uh, it's all fun and games till somebody gets hurt, right? And uh, Anna gets hurt. And her parents are very frustrated, and so. Uh, because her sister got hurt, her, her parents take her to the trolls. I guess they're the doctors of the day, I don't know. Takes her to the trolls, and though these trolls are pretty neat people, and it's a neat community out in the forest, um, I, think they, I think they give them some bad advice here. Grandpappy Troll says, we need to make Anna forget about this horrible experience she's had. And uh, Elsie... You need to quit using your powers, and we're going to lock you up, one sister and another, so that you don't see each other for years. Y'all think that was very good advice? It's not. It's not very good advice. Y'all, we, get, we can't undo our bad experiences, can we? We can't undo our pain. We can't undo and try to forget and repress the memories of, of, of maybe the injuries we've withstood in life. And boy, the world and other people, we all have sharp edges. Sharp edges. We all hurt each other. And uh, there's no way that that could happen. But be that as it may, the troll pulls the memory from, from Anna. On the bottom of a Snapple bottle, one time I read this. It said, there's no worse lie than a truth misunderstood. And that's kind of what's going on here, I think. The troll says one thing that's true. It says, fear will be your enemy. That's what he tells, uh, if, what he tells Elsa. Elsa. Um, and then he says, limit your contact from people and keep her powers a uh, secret. Conceal it, don't feel it. That's kind of like set it and forget it, you know. Conceal it, don't feel it, Right. And you know, you know that that's going to cause a lot of problems. Both she and uh, Anna spend the rest of their childhood locked away in safety. And because Anna does not have the memory uh, again of, anymore of her sisters injuring her, she can't understand why Elsa won't come out and play. Can't understand it. Jim Rohn said this, The walls we build around us to keep sadness out also keeps out the joy. Life is about both. When Elsa's powers are accidentally made public during a coronation as queen, she flees the village in a panic. 
She leaves Arendelle in a deep, 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 deep winter. So let's watch the early scene of her coronation. Daniel, play that first scene. Somebody said, though, you know, Elsa does give uh, Anna some good advice. Uh, somebody, uh, when she said, hey, I want to marry Hans, we just met today. He said, you're not going to marry a guy you met today. Somebody on the bottom of that said, it's about time, Disney, you know, <laughs> that you don't just let somebody go off and marry somebody. In fact, uh, 
ironically in a twist, you know, Hans, uh, uh, that, was a, that was good advice. That was good advice as we learn later. But Anna starts to go on this great journey, um, this very difficult journey. Um, she begins to relentlessly pursue her sister because her sister's all alone. She can't deal with this gift or this burden that she has. And so she goes and, and makes an ice castle at the top of the mountain. And all of a sudden, Anna would not let her sister go. She teamed up, teams up with this rugged ice collector called Kristoff, uh, who's having a difficult time in this deep winter, right? Because uh, he needs it to be summer to, uh, to sell his ice. But, uh, and his reindeer spin. And they team up uh, with the snowman, uh, whose name is Olaf. And he's a creation of Elsie's, by the way. The three set out to find, uh, find Elsa. Um, and when they finally get there to Elsa, it's not a real good scene. Uh, there she is in her beautiful ice castle. And she's in no mood. She's in no mood to come back down the mountain with her sister. She likes room alone. How many of you are introverts and like to be alone from time to time? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm an extrovert and I kind of like to be alone from time to time. But she wants to be alone. It's not time. Anna does the best thing that she can possibly do. She, she makes, she gives an invitation. She knocks on that door, that icy door. Come home. Come home. You don't have to live like this. Come down the mountain with me. And this is her mountain. She also tells her that the whole village is suffering in a deep, deep winter because of all of this. Uh, and then Elsa accidentally injures Anna again, right? She throws out those ice, that ice and strikes, um, it strikes Anna, her younger sister, right in the heart, which the trolls say is more dangerous than the head injury. Kristoff, uh, uh, the, the ice salesman, takes her, Anna, to the trolls. And they're kind of his family. These trolls are and. Though I think they missed the mark the first time around, the second time around, I think they get it right. You remember the song they sing? Because they think they, they're going to get married. And I'm thinking about that, so they try to fix them. What, what do they say? Uh, they sing that song, Everyone's a Fixer-Upper, which is so true, right? Um, but then, but then, here is the exchange, the number two video, Daniel, between Grandpappy Troll and Kristoff. Yeah, who is this Hans? Only an act of love can thaw a frozen heart. Which is so true and so beautiful. 
Now, they're still thinking it's going to end like every other Disney movie, right? Hans is going to come back uh, and kiss her and make her a, a, a princess. But that's not really how it rolls. This, this sister love, this, this family love, this body of Christ love is what happens toward the end. And who but Olaf, that snowman, begins to get it before everybody. And he still thinks somebody's got to kiss this woman, but that's not really how it ends. Um, but check out the snowman's brilliance. Now they're back in the village now, and they're waiting on this act of love. Roll video number three, Daniel, please. So, very late in the movie, it's Olaf, the Joker, who becomes the brilliant sage, the prophet that says something that's so true and so deep. I know what love is. Love is putting the well-being of somebody, putting someone else's needs and wants above yours. That's what real love is. While he's not sure how it's going to happen, and while Anna's not sure how it's all going to happen, um, there at the, at the bitter end, not at the bitter end, at the good end, we see that what Anna does is in her act of sacrificial love for her sister is what brings healing to her and to the village. She participates in this courageous act. And then the curtains go down. It's an awesome show, you really awesome animation. You should really look at it. Three lessons real quickly. One, 
thing that, that, uh, that I learned, that I get from this, is that we all have free spells. Every single person in this room has been gifted by God that, that only you can do. Maybe, there, maybe there's only one or two things that you can do better than most, one or two things that you do naturally, one or two passions that you have that not many other people have, and um, that gift was given to you uniquely. And it's almost like we have the rest of our lives to figure out how do I use this gift, not for Arendelle, but for the kingdom of God? How does it fit in? How do I fit in to the body of Christ? Am I an ear? Am I, am I a nose? Um, am I a pinky? Am I a thumb? It doesn't matter because every gift is equal in the eyes of God. That's what Paul was trying to say in 1 Corinthians 12. It's like, don't, don't consider your gift whatever you've got, any less than the person next to you. It is just as important and it is just as critical that you find out what to do with your gift as anybody else. And don't ever walk around thinking, oh, I've got the better gift than Vicky. You know, she's just, I don't know what she's got, but my, it's important that, yeah, well, we do, you got a lot of gifts. What I'm saying is, is my gift is no better or no worse than your gift, but they're all critical. Each one of us has a unique gift to give this world. Somebody once said that if you ever walk into a room and you feel either superior or inferior to the people that are already in the room, then that's your ego. That's what we've got to let go of and get rid of because it's all important. All gifts are important. All of our gifts have limitations and we all have weaknesses too. That's why we need each other that's why we, we can go away for a while and pray like Jesus did on the mountain, but don't hang out on the mountain too long like Elsa did. Because at the end of the day, our gifts were there, says Paul, to help create a community to show the world what it means when we share our spiritual gifts. So all of us, each of us, has a free spell and a struggle with our gifts. If you're struggling with your gifts and how to use them, you're not alone. I think that's a lifelong struggle, but a worthy one. Second thing is the song those trolls said, everyone's a fixer-upper. You, me, all of us, we are all wounded healers, as Henry Nouwen once said. All of us have jagged edges and wounds. None of us is perfect. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And that kind of sounds like a put-down, but to me, that feels like that lets a little pressure off of me. It says in 1 Peter, and it's one of the most misunderstood scriptures in all the Bible, it says, be perfect as I am perfect. But that's an English translation of, translation of the word hagia, H-A-G-I-A. It's holy, sanctified. A better description would be, be whole as I am whole. And in order for us to be whole, we need each other. Nobody is whole unto themselves. It doesn't mean be perfect. It means grow up. It means mature. It means strive toward your whole being and the whole being of others. Trying to be perfect in the modern sense will drive us nuts. But the goal is to be loving and compassionate beings. It's not to grade out at 100%. Because everybody says the troll is a fixer-upper. 
If it's about avoiding mistakes, then maybe the right thing to do is to lock ourselves in so that we never make another mistake again. But if you do that, you end up locking your life up behind closed doors. God doesn't want any of us to play it safe, but to risk ourselves for others as imperfect as we are. Because if, if we're trying to be perfect, we're going to end up running away, trying to get away from everybody. Third point, and this is my most important one, I think, of the movie. Only an act of love can thaw a frozen heart. Only an act of love. Here's the important corrective we learn from this. True love has nothing to do with romance, right? We, 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 we know that. Romance is great, but that's not true love. True love is about giving ourselves up for the other. When Anna demonstrated true love, then the curse was reversed and salvation came to the village. That's how she experienced her salvation. I believe in this gospel portrayed by Frozen. It's something we often miss. It gives us a better picture of the gospel, what Jesus was talking about. The message of the New Testament. Remember what they sang. said, come to me, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I, says Jesus, will be the Lord of the dance. I will teach you and guide you. I will work through you. I believe that God is continually creating the world through this dynamic interdependent relationships of the Trinity. Love is the rhythm of God. All of creation is invited to sing and dance in this gorgeous and complex kingdom that we find ourselves in. And fear is the discord that keeps us from hearing the music. Fear sends us into our own disastrous prisons. Sometimes they're beautiful, pretty ice prisons at the top of the mountain. Sometimes we lock ourselves away. But fear is our sin and our hell on earth as we walk through it. It leads us to hatred, violence, poverty, and death. That's, that's what it means to be cursed. The second person of the Trinity became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived to show us how to dance. He died to demonstrate true love, to reverse the curse. He rose from the dead to show us how the dance goes on without fear this time. Get up. Get up with me, says Jesus. Let me resurrect you and show you what it means to live in this life without fear. And if you melt, that's okay. Because Olaf says that some people are worth melting for. The Spirit empowers and enlivens us and sings the song to and through around us all the time. Only love can heal a frozen heart. If Paul were here, I think he'd like frozen for a lot of reasons. Paul viewed the church as one body, one body with many members and limbs, a model of what it looks like when people look to each other and not judge each other. Now, we're going to sing Let It Go in a little bit, and that song's going to be in your head for the next three years probably, but that's okay. Just let it go, right? Um, and some of the, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a time when Elsa's on top of the mountain and she's, she's kind of finding maybe her adolescent freedom that I don't need all these toxic relationships I've got. But, you know, the answer to toxic relationships are not no relationships. The answer to it is healed relationships. So maybe we all sing our let it go, right? But maybe we need to listen to what maybe the yoga instructors say when they talk about let it go. Anybody do yoga around here? Nobody. Good. There are a few. Okay, good, good, good. It's good. 
The yoga instructor usually says, breathe, you know, don't, if thoughts come through your mind, let them pass, all that kind of good stuff. And then your good yoga instructor will say, let go of all judgment, competition, and expectation. Those were the things that were crushing Elsa. What people expect of me. I like that that yoga let it go, right? Because it's a call to just be who you are. How you were created with the gifts that you have and to forget about worrying about who's got a better or worse gift than you or where you stand in the pecking order. Just be you is what God is calling us to be. This is what we practice as we learn to live with each other in the body of Christ. You know, my mom dealt with a lot of mental illness when, when I was growing up, and, and that, that was a burden on her, kind of her, her ice and snow was, how do I deal with bipolar, and how do I deal uh, with this? And she was a brilliant woman, though. And even in the midst of some of her worst episodes, there were... Br- Moments of brilliance when she was uh, leading the youth group at, at, uh, at First Church Brookhaven. There was another woman, one of my sister's good friends. We still, uh, they still keep in, in touch. And, and uh, her name is Laura. And Laura was going through some very difficult uh, emotional times. And the way Laura acted out was she was always sarcastic and smart, right? She, uh, she loved to say something under her breath when the leader was, you know, that kind. I mean, I'm, I was probably good at that myself. Um, um, but, uh, and so mom was saying, hey, let's, let's, think about, um, let, let, let's think about what it might mean to be a tree. Or I don't know what she was saying, something that you could really cornify real quick, you know, and say something. And Laura, Laura said something to try to sort of, get my mom off her mark and distract her. I don't know what she said. You know, I'll be a redwood. I'm taller than everybody. Is that what you're talking about? And, and, and instead of mom, you know, chunking some ice at her at that point, she looked at Laura and said, Laura, that was brilliant. And she began to build on what Laura said. And she didn't even know that Laura was going through all this pain. She was simply building a young lady up. And when my mother died, Laura said that might have saved her life because my mom was one of the few people in Laura's world at the time that didn't push her away up to the mountain when Laura was showing her jagged edges, right? Let it go. (laughs) Let it go. Build one another up because the eye needs the ear, says Paul. And the ear needs the arm and the arm needs the foot. And nothing's less or more important than anything. We build one another up. Laura went on and dealt with her own depression. And she saw my mom as a great guide and had to deal with something that she didn't know how to deal with. Paul would have applauded Anna for not giving up on her sister, but to keep knocking on that door. Just like Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. Anna used her gift of making friends to form a team to get to her sister, and she pushed toward her sister even when her sister was throwing sharp ice at her. 
Paul would have loved Olaf's definition of love. Love is putting someone else's needs before your own wants and needs. And at the end of the movie, you think Kristoff's kiss is going to swoop in and make the day. But that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. But no, Anna saved the family, not with a kiss, but by her own brave act of protecting her sister. Salvation finally comes and warms the hearts in an act of love. And maybe that's how love works for us too. Some of us keep waiting for that magical thing to happen to us to receive it when Jesus is saying, get up and dance and dance with me and let my love move through you. Even if your vessel is imperfect, my perfect love will work through you. Some of us keep waiting for something to happen when Jesus says, get up, get up. Some of us keep waiting for things to happen and we hold on and we hold on and we hold on to all the things that we should be letting go of. And Jesus says, let go of your stuff so you can grab my hands. Let go of your stuff so you can put your feet on my feet and we can start to dance. God's love comes to us, but sometimes salvation happens when God's love comes through us like it did Anna and we know that we're doing something because we're finally using our gifts for something greater than ourselves. We know that we can act without fear. This is joy. This is perfection. And so Jesus, I mean, Paul says in 13, and I'm going to end with this, right? You know it because almost every other wedding you go to, they read it, right? 1 Corinthians 13, after all these things about all gifts are the same, Finally, Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. Those of you who think you can preach, I don't care if you can preach up a storm. If you preach without love, you are gibbering. Those of you who can sing, I don't care if you can sing like the angels in heaven. If you sing without love, you're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Those of you who can administer and you're really organized and you can put things, if you do that without love, you're just making a big, fat mess. Do you need love? Then give love. Do you need help? Then help somebody else. Do you need compassion? Have some compassion on someone else. Would you like more friends? Then be a friend. Paul appeals in his letter to Corinth for us to value each other even in our jaggedness. Then, after cataloging lots of gifts from the Spirit... He talks about this more excellent way, and then he defines love. Love is patient. Love is kind, right? Love is not arrogant, boastful, or rude. Love does not insist on its own things. Love bears all things. Love never ends. And he could have added Olaf to it. Love is putting someone else's needs before your own. Faith, hope, and love, says Paul. All of these abide, but the greatest of these is love. This is our salvation receiving and letting God's love flow through us. Only an act of love can thaw a frozen heart. Love looks like Jesus, of course. Jesus defines love. But lo and behold, love looks like Anna knocking on the door for her sister. Love can look a lot like you and me if we let it, if we hear the music. When you are the part of the body of Christ, your goals change. The goal now is not to avoid pain because that is impossible. The goal is to experience the joy of community in the midst of pain. 
The goal is to see that everybody goes through what Elsa went through as part of life. And Olaf says that some people are worth melting for. Jesus Christ would say amen to that, but he would change the word some to all. This is the gospel according to Frozen. I hope it warms your heart. I invite our choir to come forward uh, to sing our closing song as we pray. God, thaw our frozen hearts. Help us to let go of comparison and competition and expectation and help us to be thankful for the gifts you've given us so that we don't hold on to them. But just like Anna did for her sister, even more importantly, just like Jesus Christ did for the world, help us to let it go, to pour ourselves out and melt for something beautiful. These things we ask in the name of your holy and precious Son. Amen.